Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berende, and I am delighted to have with us once again, Miss Amy Jo Goddard. We are going to be exploring sexual archetypes today, so I'm very excited for this conversation. I have personally experienced some very powerful work with her in this arena, which is why I wanted to have her back on the show to talk about it, so I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Let me tell you a little bit about her before we dive in. Hailing from military dad and recovering Catholic, proudly Sandra D. Mom, Amy Jo Goddard had no other choice but to become a sex educator just to help her family survive. Actually, they don't really take sex advice from her, but thousands of others have. Amy Jo is author of Woman on Fire, Nine Elements to Wake Up Your Erotic Energy, Personal Power, and Sexual Intelligence, and co-author of the best-selling classic Lesbian Sex Secrets for Men. She earned her master's degree in human sexuality education at New York University and has been teaching and speaking about feminism and sexuality for over two decades, including her TEDx talk, Owning Your Sexual Power. Welcome back to the show, Amy Jo. Thank you. So good to be here again. Yeah. And we'll, I'm sure it will be a slightly different answer this time. Will you tell us what your superpowers are? Oh, gosh. I didn't prep for this. I forgot okay. you asked this question. That's all right. You just <laughs> blow it. What are they in this moment? Mm, I think, what are they in this moment? You know, I think in this moment, they are, they're, they're, they're putting pieces together that can feel disparate. Mm. Um, uh, I think looking at, you know, being able to see the whole of a thing and the many different components that make a thing uh, what it is and to help people connect dots and make connections um, so that they can actually understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think I'm good at doing that. And I think I'm good at doing that in people as well. Um, And that's that's certainly a big piece of the work that I do. Um, I think really being able to, to see the person before me and um, the many, the many parts and the many places that they're coming from and why they may have created something in their life that they've created or, or um, have particular patterns and helping them to break that down. I think, I'm, I think, I think that's a superpower. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And I, I feel like it relates actually so perfectly to the topic for today about <laughs> yeah, because, because we do, you know, we have, you know, what I was kind of seeing as you were describing that is like, we, we can get so stuck in, in sort of this like one or two dimensional version of ourselves and relating to only, only a couple aspects of ourselves. And really we are these multidimensional beings and there's all of these parts and pieces that are wanting to be seen and sometimes desperately crying out for attention in, in ways that we don't maybe understand or aren't able to interpret. Um, and so I just, I love that. And I think that the archetype works fits so beautifully into that. 
and, and yeah. being able to see those. It's like, hey, I see this part over here, and, and you're so multifaceted in all of these different ways. It's not just these two, one or two ways you've been relating to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was first doing the archetype work, um, being interviewed for, I think it was for a podcast or something, um, and the interviewer asking me, well, well, which one are you? <laughs> you know, I was like, well, I'm a lot of them. You know, I have a lot of, of these archetypes in me. Um, and, you know, I think that's the power of, of archetypes is that they allow us to see these different aspects of self and these different journeys of the self. Um, you know, archetypes, they all, <clears throat> they all have their story, right? They all have their hero's journey. They all have their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we love to watch them on the big screen. You know, there's a many archetypes that show up on the big screen on a regular basis that we're very familiar with, even if that concept isn't familiar to us. Right. Um, I think a lot of times it's sort of a foreign concept. People are like, well, I don't get it. What do you mean? And how would this relate to me? <laughs> you know, and that's what I love to dig in with people um, is to look at what are those parts of themselves that, um, that either that, that they feel like they're averting because I don't want to be that, um, which generally means there is that part of you that wants to be seen, as you said. Um, or what are the, the parts that really you, you really are living out? What are those archetypal stories, those myths, those, um, you know, those patterns that you are living out in your life? You know, um, these you know, archetypes, many of them have been around for so, so long. They're so familiar to us that we almost don't see them. Yeah. So let's give let's give some examples so people have something a little bit more concrete to grasp. Maybe if they've if they're not familiar with archetypes or they've never really worked with them before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people do amazing archetypal work, and um, and I've studied you know Carolyn Mace and you know some of the folks that have talked about archetypes in a powerful way. For me, I wanted to start to you know really to specifically look at what I call sexual archetypes, you know, these archetypes that have these particular sexual stories or patterns in them. And of course the, you know, the trifecta that we all are familiar with is the virgin, the mother and the whore or the prostitute. Um, And so those are three very, you know, we're very, very familiar with those three archetypes. They have, you know, often the, you know, the virgin and the whore have been very pitted against one another. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think we can look at the mother in so many different ways, depending on what lens we're looking at her through. Um, and so I like to look at the mother through the more of the sexual lens, you know, like, so what is it that happens with the mother sexually, you know? Um, Which I love that you do that because it's, there's this thing that happens in, especially in our culture where it's like, once you become a mom, even though obviously it took sex to get you there, or right. for most people it took sex to get you there. Like, remember, <laughs> it's like all of a sudden you're no longer a sexual being because now yeah. you're. Yeah, yeah, and that's the shadow side of of the sexual. You know, when we're looking through a sexual lens of the mother, it's the invisibility. You know, and so every archetype has a light, you know, a positive quality or or a commitment, right? And then everyone, ha- each one of them, has a more of a shadow side or a side we don't see. Um, or a more destructive quality. And so for the mother, um, I, I see that as invisibility, you know, and sometimes that comes from the outside um, where she's not expected to be sexual anymore. And then sometimes it's coming from herself where she's denying and forsaking herself 
and her own sexuality for her role as mother. Um, and so sometimes we take on that belief that we can't be more than one thing. And it's like, oh, I can't be a sexual being now. I have children. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, like you said, I mean, it's like ludicrous. Like, hello, <laughs> you know, what's more sexual than birthing a child through your vagina totally. uh, to the world? That's pretty damn sexual, if you ask me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's something, you know, when I was a birth worker, it's something we talked about a lot about the women who are able to sort of harness that energy and and even the environment that you create for birth Mm -hmm. is very similar to an environment that you would want to create to make love with someone to have like Mm -hmm. this really intimate, beautiful sexual experience. You know, oftentimes it's like, yeah, the low lights, the candles, the soft music, the incense, you know, like all of those kinds of things. Like that's a perfect environment to birth a child because it's the same energy that got the baby in there is what's going to get the baby out. Absolutely. It's like, I mean, imagine like, of course, babies cry as soon as they come out when they're in a hospital. It's like they're coming out to bright lights. All these people in these weird suits looking at them, you know, with masks on their faces and, you know, equipment everywhere, which I'm sure they they feel the energy of as well. I mean, that's a very, very different experience than coming into the world in a softly lit, cozy room or in a tub (laughs) into water, um, you know, far less uh, uh, stark (laughs) contrast. Yes. And of course, this is like the space that I'm in right now as I'm preparing for my own birth. So Mm -hmm. so I can very easily go in there, but I I want to, I really want to explore some of the other archetypes with you. We do have to take a quick break. And so will you just give our listeners um, some direction of where they can go to find more of your brilliance and experience more of your work. Yeah. The hub is just amyjogoddard.com. You can definitely find me on the socials, on Facebook under Amy Joe Goddard and also on Twitter. And you can find me on, uh, on uh, Instagram as sexual empowerment. Awesome. Well, definitely go check her out, amyjoegoddard.com. She's a wealth of information and a wonderful, wonderful lady. And we're going to dive deeper when we get back. So stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Okay, we're back. So before the break, we we're talking about sort of, you know, the three main archetypes from a sexual lens, the, the virgin, the mother, and the whore. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk a little bit more and then maybe expand on some of the other archetypes that you have have explored. I'm really curious to know like how you started to identify the different sexual archetypes because when I was was at the retreat with you there were 12 of them that we were yeah. working with. Yeah. 
There's so many, you know, and so, so basically I've been, I've been hosting this sexual archetype. uh, I call it a sexual archetype ritual. And I've been hosting that as part of my women's sexual empowerment programs for the last 10 years. Um, And so Tatiana came and played the wild woman, which was was so fun. So fun. So great. And so what I've been doing these 10 years is I invite, you know, actors who have knowledge about sexuality and gender, um, you know, or people who can perform to really come in and to embody those roles, to embody those archetypes so that the participants can actually interact with a live person and really explore those archetypes in themselves. And so it's a really powerful experience. Um, it's one of my favorite things I do. And really it came to me, it was one of those download moments of like, oh my God, I need to do this, <laughs> you know, and, and just sort of like came out of me quite quickly. Mm. Um, but over the years, I've taken certain ones out and I've added new ones in just because we can't do all of, you know, if we tried to do all of the sexual archetypes, we'd be there all night. We can't, you know, we can't do that. So we limited to about a dozen of them. Um, but yeah, like I said, every everyone has a shadow side and a light side. You know, the 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 light side of the mother is nourishment, right? You know, I mean, she feeds and and nurtures others from the well of her own sexuality. And we don't think of it that way. We don't talk about it that way. But it's like, you know, and, and there's so much um, shame even that can happen. Like if if a, if a new mother experiences pleasure from breastfeeding or something, right. right? There's all these hormones and oxytocin and all these things that are rushing through the body in that space, you know. And we like to we, we like to draw these really clean lines between sex and everything else, um, and it's just not that's just not the reality. So I think that, that, I mean, if you, what you said about nurturing everyone from the wall of her own creativity, I think that's uh beautiful of all the way you put that, but also like, if you think about what sexual energy is in its essence, it is the energy of creation. Mm -hmm. It It is, it is what creates new life, new ideas, new project, new anything it's the energy of creation and who better to be working inside of that energy than a mother. I remember learning years ago um, that the, the Hindu goddesses that, that they have all of these arms, they're actually modeled after, after watching mothers work mm-hmm. in their lives, yeah, you know, exactly. managing children and cooking <laughs> yeah. and all of these things no like, where all these arms came from mm-hmm. watching the mother at work. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those, those are ones that we're more familiar with. And then there's other ones. So one of them I took out because I, I was just trying to create many archetypes that were quite distinct, but I think it's one that we're all familiar with and it's been used against so many girls and women is the slut, right? Mm -hmm. So the slut is an archetype we're all familiar with. Like, and as soon as I say that, I'm sure everyone listening has an immediate image of what they think a slut is. And it's negative. Like, yeah, and it's negative and it's female, right? <laughs> um, so some of the other ones that we talk about, we talk about the damsel. Um, I think the damsel is a really important one to talk about. I think that, um, I think white women in particular are really socialized to be damsels. Mm. Um, to more about that. So there's, you know, I mean, of course, the shadow side of damsel is, is helplessness, right? It's like, oh, I, I can't do it. I need someone to save me. You know, it's like the damsel in distress. I mean, we all know 
we all know the damsel in distress. We've seen a million movies about her, right? Disney. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Disney. So, so I think what happens for when we have that damsel quality in us, which I think, again, I think that many of us are very socialized to have. And, you know, even for myself in my years of doing this work, I had to look at that in myself because I was like, I'm a feminist. I am not a damsel. Mm. Um, But I actually started to splice it out. I actually taught weekends about the damsel archetype for years on sex and money and power because sex, money, and power are are the places where that damsel really, really shows up. Well, and Um, actually she can be used to manipulate mm -hmm. from a perspective of power. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. She is, I mean, her positive quality is receiving. She knows how to receive. She will unabashedly allow other people to do other, to do things for her and to dote on her. And she revels in her beauty. She revels in the role that, that just, you know, just her being present plays in relationships, you know, and in the culture. Um, and so, and so that's a positive quality. Like we, you know, another name for the damsel is the princess, you know, it's like, yeah, sometimes we get to be the princess and that's not a bad thing. Um, but I think it's when we're not really looking, when that, that, that damsel energy of not being able to take care of ourselves, of people pleasing in order to get other people to give to us, or not being able to speak for ourselves. Um, or not becoming empowered because, mm-hmm. because we don't have to, because someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think women have to look at that. Women have to, you know, and, and, you know, my team and I would laugh about it because we would see men that were like, oh my God, he's such a damsel. You know, it's like men can have that damsel energy too. People of different genders can. Um, a lot of times there's a, there's a night when there's a damsel present, right? That's sort of like the, the opposite, you know, like the, the counterpart, not the opposite, but the counterpart to the damsel. It's like, there has to be the night that's there to like save the day. Um, and so that's another, another archetype. Um, it's interesting to to think about um, those two archetypes for a moment too, just in terms of like our cultural relationship myth. Yeah. In in, in this like, I mean, you look you look at most romantic comedies or movies in general. Yeah. That's that. Those are the archetypes that are portrayed yeah. when, when it comes to a, a heteronormative relationship that you see in in mass media. And, and I've worked with so many people who have this sort of cultural mythology. I mean, I've even noticed strands of it in myself of this, like mm-hmm. wanting that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where did this come from? Like, why do I feel the need for that? And, and, mm-hmm. and what's, what is that, you know, and exploring that more deeply? Yeah. Yeah. Because so much of it is about roles. It's like, well, you're supposed to, be the caretaker in this particular way in this relationship. And and I'm supposed to, you know, be taken care of, you know, it's like, who's, who's, who's the chase chaser and who's, who's the chased, who's the, the caretaker. And, you know, and of course, you know, we can splice that up a lot of different ways. That's by no means, you know, that because someone's a damsel, damsel, that there's no like caretaking that they're doing. They're, they're doing caretaking in a totally different way. Um, But yeah, I think, I think, you know, it is, it's a very heteronormative um, dynamic and it shows up in lesbian relationships, same-sex relationships, you know, it, it shows up in a lot of different kinds of relationships um, and, it, and it comes from those like gender roles. Hmm. 
Um, I think one of the ones, you know, I think the one that, that we're so fascinated about culturally, I mean, I think more movies have been made out of this one <laughs> based on this one than probably any other one is the femme fatale. Um, mm. You know, we love to watch the femme fatale. <laughs> you know, mm. I mean, who doesn't love a good you know, Marilyn Monroe movie? Or you know, I mean, there's just there's Uma a Thurman mil- and leather, right? Yeah, there's a million million films that have been made about the femme fatale. We never get tired of watching her. We know she's flawed. She's deeply flawed. Um, you know, and her shadow side is that is the manipulation. You know, she's a, she's a manipulator because she's going to win. She is always going to win. And so her woundedness becomes this wall. She's very wounded, right? It's like it comes from a wounded place. And so her woundedness becomes this wall that prevents her from having true intimacy and connection. She's always keeping people at arm's length, right? But the, you know, but people just want to be near her because of her feminine beauty, right? Which is her positive quality. You know, we love to to admire feminine beauty. And she opens hearts with her beauty and her grace and her charisma. And she enjoys being in her body and taking, you know, just taking joy and fully expressing it in her inner femininity. And so we love the femme fatale. I mean, she's very uh, screen worthy, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think think that's a big one. And I think that women are often really... um, really curious about her. Um, and then you played the wild woman, which women are also always really curious about. It's like, well, how do I get into that wild part of myself? You know? And I think, I think that the, the wild woman takes different, um, depending like, like which version of her we're seeing, she takes on different uh, flavors, right? She can be like kind of the nympho freak, right? That's like just really wild and freaky sexually. Um, or she can she can be like more like like of the earth and of the elements and just like wild like like an animal right like it's yeah. like she's connected to her um, her sex her sexual expression her pleasure the landscape of her sexuality and and its freedom for her right that's Which the is, positive quality is that agency and freedom that the wild woman has right and and I was definitely. Um, I want I want to talk a little bit just briefly about my experience with that. Yeah. It was so powerful. And, yeah, how was it to um, play her? I mean, I witnessed some of it. It was so fun to watch you with everyone. It was amazing because I so I definitely came more from the like wild nature um side of it just because that's that's more what I have explored and experienced in my own life and and as soon as I Red Wild Woman, that's exactly where I went, was like the woman who comes from the mountains and runs with the wolves kind of, kind of archetype feel. And, um, and for me, why I wanted to play her was because I was personally in my own life at that moment feeling like I was really missing some wildness in my life. And, and what I realized through doing that, first of all, everyone, I think almost everyone came to visit her, right? Like, so for the listeners, there's, there's, um, the, the, is it okay if I kind of explain a little bit how that works? I don't want to like. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The, yeah. yeah. So, um, so Amy Jo would have us, uh, every, everyone who was playing an archetype came and, and read a monologue. And then we're, there were these prompts where we were stationed in different parts of the retreat center and, um, 
the participants were invited to go and visit the archetype that they most wanted to embody or the one that repulsed them the most. And I had so many people who came to visit and had, and, and in the, the, and the, the, the biggest challenge as someone playing that archetype is to stay in role as people are coming up and asking you questions. Cause it's one thing to learn a monologue and perform it. It's another thing to then embody that energy and be in the dynamic with other people asking you questions and responses. Yeah. That place. Yeah. Um, and, and that part for me was so fascinating because, um, first of all, the yearning that I witnessed in so many of the, the women who were present mm-hmm. was, um, was palpable and, and was really eye-opening to me of how, how disconnected from our wildness we are in this culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite literally, if you look at how we sort of structure our, our cities and our communities, it's like we wipe out anything that's wild. You know, we, we don't want wild animals coming in. We, you know, we want to eradicate anything that that smacks of of wilderness you know we can't grow anything but grass on our front lawns like everything has to be manicured it's like we've we've really taken the wildness out of just our 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 natural environment where we where most of us the majority of us reside um and then and then that and and so i found myself in like all these women that were asking like how do i reconnect with this it's like the question, the the answer that just kept coming through was go into nature, like you ha- like go find a place that's actually wild, and connect in that way because we have this inherent in our beings to to have this access to being wild, to being animals, right? I mean, a, a woman who is completely in her in her sexual power in that regard of wildness is is in her animal nature, right? We're we are mammals. We, we, we act from, we can act from that place. And there's, there's a lot of, um, I think a lot of wisdom to be regained in allowing ourselves to go there. Um, and I could go off on (laughs) tangents about that. So I didn't want to get respect. Yeah. I mean, I can see in the 10 years I've been doing this, you know, so many different women have come through and played the wild woman. And it's so fun to watch all the different permeations of her over the years. And, you know, like these archetypes are different depending who's embodying them. And that's why it's always important to me that I get a diverse group of women to play these roles. Um, you know, both in terms of age and in terms of ethnicity, you know, culture and, and, and ethnicity really can play into how we see these, you know, mm-hmm. if you see a wild woman who is a, also a black woman, how we might perceive that versus, you know, a wild earthy, you know, a white earthy woman like yourself, um, there, you know, we, we experience them differently. We overlay stereotypes based on who we see in these roles. And so that's always interesting too. But I can say in all these years, women, they're always drawn to her. They're always drawn to this part. And I think it's because of the things that you're talking about. Um, we've been so taught to be proper, <laughs> you know, not to eat with our hands, not to speak too loud, not to take up too much space, um, not to make noise sexually, you know, to right. be, to, to keep it, to keep things contained. Or make noise uh, at all. Like yeah. your laugh has to be like, hee hee, mm-hmm. you know. 
Yep. And so, you know, I think there is that serious longing for that wildness. Um, you weren't there on the last day, um, but we did a, uh, we did a, we did an exercise where the women were in small groups and they could, they each got to be nourished by their group and they got to choose how they wanted to do that. And there are all these pomegranate trees on mm. the, the property that we were on. And they came to me and they were like, can we throw some pomegranates? And I was like, <laughs> sure, you know, yeah, just, just make sure you clean it up. Right? And so, so I go out, so I hear all this laughter, you know, because they were kind of outside the, the main teaching space. And so I like I ventured over to see what they were doing. And they literally were throwing pomegranates at this huge rock and laughing hysterically and just feeling what it felt like to throw pomegranates and watch them explode. And, you know, um, yeah, it, it, it was just like this amazing sight. And this woman who, who was doing this is someone I've been working with for the last 18 months. So I know her well. Mm-hmm. And um, this was her second firewoman retreat and she's been in my programs and, you know, and so, and she's been very contained in many ways. And so to watch her with so much glee open up, you know, this like, this part of her that just wanted to be unhinged, that wanted to not play by the rules, that wanted to express, you know, and get messy. Exactly. It's like, we're so afraid to get messy. Um, So um, it was really beautiful. It was really, you know, and just the fact that she even thought to do that, I thought was so great. (laughs) Well, one of my favorite moments of the evening was when the, when the prude came up to visit the wild woman. Because one of the participants, the woman who was playing the archetype of the prude, which we haven't talked about yet, but I think we should just segue into it. Um, she, I mean, it was, it was amazing. I, I, and this to me is just a testament to how powerful really working with these archetypes is because the woman who was playing the prude, you know, she, she self-admitted to everyone, like, look, this is actually the character I've been playing my whole life. And I'm ready. I, I said yes to playing her. I've never performed before. I said yes to playing her because I'm ready to put her down. And, and one of the participants had, had came up to her to visit her at the, during the course of the evening and said to her, I realized that the prude stole my wild woman. And so the woman playing the prude was like, oh my God, so I need to go visit yeah. the wild woman. And she yeah. said, visit me in my little lair that I had there. And it was the most incredible exchange between archetypes, but also between us as women. And it was this like really incredible thing to watch. She literally like took her hair down over the course of our conversation. And, and I watched her, it was like years of heaviness just melted off of her as she started to allow herself experience more of that wild woman archetype to allow herself a little bit more wild wildness to sort of shed some of the, the, the tightness of the prude. Um, it was incredible. It was so incredible. To witness her. Yeah. I got to, I got to actually witness that I had shown up when that started to happen and it was, it was really amazing, you know, and to me that was, that's the healing power of that ritual. Yeah, that we get to to see that we don't have to be one thing, and that we can shed 
the places where those shadow destructive qualities have really held us back. And of course, you know, when we think of the prude, we all get a, I'm sure we all get an immediate image of what that is, right? It's someone that's buttoned up tight. Right, the tight, the tight bum, the tight lips. Yeah. Yeah. She's shut down sexually. And not only is she shut down herself because she's taken on the social expectations and the limited view of sex of female sexuality, but she judges others harshly about sex. That's the prude, right? So that shadow quality for her is judgment. Um, and she has a positive quality, you know, which is that she takes sexual decision-making really seriously and she uses care and good judgment for her choices about where and with whom she wants to express sexually. Um, and that's a good thing, you know, and that's something that not, you know, some people are very reckless with. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it was so beautiful because it was so real. Um, and I didn't even know all of that, you know, and I, I never know exactly why people who show up to do this ritual show up um, or what it is they're meant to get or give. Um, but I know that it's always perfect. Like always the perfect people end up in the roles they need to be in. Yeah. It was totally amazing. So, um, so let's talk about some of the other ones we didn't mention yet. Sure. I keep muting myself because you know, forgive the dogs, you know, the, like the mail carriers here. It's, it's yeah. a really big event each day that happens. <laughs> it's, it's real life. I've had an interview where someone's cat ended up walking across her computer in the middle of it, you know. Yeah, that happens, happens all the time. Yeah, I have cats, These, but the dogs that live on and near my property are, yeah. Thank you. Very active. Um, yeah, some other ones. Let's see. Well, one of the ones that, you know, at first I didn't include for like maybe the first year or two. And then I was like, oh God, we've got to add the butch, right? So it's like the butch is is masculine expression, right? Where the femme fatale is that feminine expression. Um, the butch is a, is, is a woman that enjoys her masculinity and her physical strength, Um and is comfortable expressing masculine femaleness in a culture that really prescribes femininity as the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's something that's very also like radical about the butch, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. it's powerful in a different way because there's a way in which butches are really going against um, what they've been told to be. And so because of that, the shadow quality there is that they're very protected and guarded, right? Um, because they've had to defend against cultural norms and homophobia um, so much, right? And so that can, can harden a person when you have to defend yourself so frequently um, just for being who you are. Mm-hmm. So there's a way in which the butch is also very protected emotionally, but it's coming from a different place than the femme fatale, for instance. Um, and sometimes the butch can internalize sexism you know, as a part of the masculine and really engage in sexist behaviors. And that's also a piece I think that's important to look at with the butch. Um, so I feel like I want to give a shout out to that one. I think that, I think one that's really important to bring up is the victim. Um, so Carolyn Mace, um, in her really wonderful work on sexual archetypes, she's got a great book called sacred contracts on, um, just, just archetypes in general. She talks about that everyone has four archetypes that are universal. And then she thinks we all have then eight others that are kind of like our archetypes of, you know, in terms of how, what we're doing this lifetime. 
Um, the universal ones, two of them are these sexual archetypes, um, which is the victim and the prostitute. She believes we all have a victim and we all have a prostitute, meaning we all have a price, right? We all have a price. Um, and that's what I like to get people to really look at with the prostitute, because I think there's so much judgment about sex workers in our oh, culture yeah. and so much problematic, so many problematic ideas about sex workers and horrible stereotypes. Um, sex workers have been around since humanity has been around. So um, I really, really think we have just as a culture so much work to do on that one. Yeah. And um, and I think it's important to challenge ourselves to look at, well, where does the prostitute live in, my, in myself? Um, you know, you can be married and you know, your partner is taking care of you and paying for everything and making sure everything's okay for you. And, you know, you pay them by being a good wife, you know, by being a sexual partner. I mean, is that that different? Um, I don't think it is. I think that we have to actually look at the reality of that. Um, so I, I'm just, I, I'm just yeah. with everything you're saying because I've, you know, when I started this show, that was a piece that I really had to look at was my own, my own judgments and stereotypes around sex workers. And so I intentionally sought out some, some sex workers to interview mm -hmm. because I knew that I had judgments and, and projections around that, that I wanted to work through. And it was, you know, it's really yep. interesting to tell my mother like, oh yeah, I just interviewed a sex worker, you know, and like my mom is totally like the prude archetype. And so, um, well, and I think that's so, I think such an interesting piece of the, the judgments that people have about sex work is that it, 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 again, it comes from a limiting place about how we get to use our sexuality right. and how we get to use our bodies and um, how we get to empower ourselves with it. And that if it's for men, if it's for the male gaze, <laughs> you know, and women aren't benefiting financially, then it's okay somehow. But, oh, you know, if, if, if a woman really takes her own agency, you know, around money as well as her body into her own hands and decides this is a benefit to you and I'm going to get paid for it, we have all these judgments about it. So I think we really have to look at that nexus also of sex and money, which I do a lot of teaching on because I think that we do tend to run the same patterns around sex that we run around money. Mm -hmm. So if we start to, if we want to break through around either one of those things, we, we can look at both to, to look at what some of those patterns are. And I'm sure you use the prostitute in that work. I mean, because, because she is sort of the, the excellent representation yeah. from an archetypal perspective. Yeah, that relationship. Yeah, and I think you know I've interviewed sex workers, you know, and I have many friends who are sex workers. Um, of course, being in in the sexuality field, and um, you know, they they've they don't have the same issues about money that other people have. Um, they're they're clear, you know, about their power around money, around and boundaries too. Yeah, boundaries around money. Like I think that I think sex workers often do a much better job. Um, than other other women in particular around advocating for themselves around money. And so there's a lot we can learn from that around worth and service. Like they're offering a service and they know it and they're not afraid to be paid for it. Right. 
So, um, so yeah, so I think it's interesting that Carolyn May sees, you know, the prostitute and the victim as universal archetypes. The other ones, because I know people are like, but what are the other two? Um, the other ones are the child, that we all have a child archetype in us, and um, we all have a saboteur. So I don't talk about those as much because um, those aren't particularly sexual. Um, but the victim, so many of us have been victimized sexually, it's very, very important to look at in the work that I do around sexual empowerment. And, um, you know, obviously the shadow side of the victim is, is trauma. Um, and then, and then use the way that that trauma gets internalized and she begins to, you know, or he, you know, anybody of any gender, we all have a victim in us, but how do we use our victimization to get attention, mm-hmm. to get pity, or to turn around and victimize others, to make it okay that we get to victimize others. Right, because um, we've sometimes, been victimized, therefore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes people use uh, that are deep in their victim will use their victimization to hide their sexuality um, and to not express sexually. And then sometimes there's a whole other extreme of just acting out sexually and, and going really big. Um, so there's a way in which it 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 uh, destabilizes um, someone's sexuality if we haven't done the healing, and so so when we do the healing, you know, which is you know in the work I've I've done over all these years, I've watched so many people get to the other side of this, and it's so beautiful. They come through the work and and the the, the positive quality of of our victimization or that victim side of us is advocacy. Um, is being able to then use whatever it was that happened, use the sexual trauma, use whatever victimization may have happened to empower ourselves, reclaim ownership of our sexuality, and then be able to speak out about victimization and help to prevent others from being victimized, to Mm -hmm. be that advocate. Um, And there's so many examples of, you know, I mean, every amazing the project that's ever been created, you know, Eve Ensler, vagina monologues, you know, things that got very big came out of that, right? It came right. out of our own experience, you know, and I'm I can say right now of a woman that I interviewed who created a whole organization to support women coming out of sex trafficking, you know, and mm-hmm. that was from her own experience of having been trafficked. Yeah. Experiencing sexual abuse and then moving through that and being able to turn around and do exactly that advocacy mm-hmm. work. Yeah. I would not be doing the work that I'm doing had it not been for my own, um, my own really, you know, difficult, traumatic events that happened sexually for me. Those were the things that, that put fire under me that said, wait a minute. You know, once I came into my own empowerment, I was able to really step back and, and look at all those parts, you know, going back to what we talked about in the beginning, look at all of those parts um, and realize that, you know, there was a part of me and my soul that came into this world and needed to have these things happen because it led me to my purpose. Um, and as I came into my own empowerment, it was like, man, I don't want other people to go through what I went through. That shouldn't happen, you know. And um, 25 years later, I'm still doing it because it's it, it's so what my soul was called to do. So, um, yeah, and that's the same for you, you were saying? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I learned I learned most of what I know about relationship dynamics and 
um, and sexuality fr- through coming through the shadow side of it. Yeah. Um, you know, then, and again, not wanting other people to have to take that hard road. And yet it's interesting, you know, it, it makes me think as just, I'm, I'm hearing you share about like, your understanding that that was sort of the path that your soul had to take. Um, Cause I feel like that, that can be a really challenging conversation for some people, you know, when, when, mm-hmm. especially when you're working with the victim, when you're working with trauma yeah. um, to, to have sort of a broader, a broader perspective on it and an understanding of like, okay, like there, there was some higher purpose for this horrible experience that I wouldn't wish on anyone else. Yeah, um, yep. I'd love to hear you t- actually talk a little bit more about that and and your understanding of that and how you work with with other women with that. Yeah, I mean, there's stages to healing, right? And so when someone is still raw, you know, from an experience, when they're still in um, a place of a lot of anger and grief, and um, you know, and and they're not there's not a distance yet where they can sort of step back and look at the experience from sort of that like magician perspective. Like, let me stand back here and see it differently. Um, as we would say in shadow work. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think, you know, you don't have that conversation. It's, it's not something, you know, I'll, I'll talk about that with my own experience, but I don't, um, it's not something that I push people to get to that, you know, to, yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking right now of actually after my daughter was born and I had this like horrible traumatic birth experience with her and, um, and postpartum experience. I mean, it was like, it was awful. It not compared to what a lot of other women go through, but for me in that moment, it was like the worst thing that could have happened or almost the worst worst thing that mm-hmm. could have happened, and and so I'm like in this really dark space and like mm-hmm. super miserable. And I remember a friend said to me like, "This is so perfect for the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. birth work and with women." And I wanted to murder her in that moment. Yep, yep. There's a point where you don't want to hear that. <laughs> exactly. You like this is not yep. what I need to hear right now. Even though some part of me knows that what you're saying is true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will be like, you're victim blaming, you know, and it's not about victim blaming at all. Um, I think it's about empowering ourselves around the experience well, you and know, that actually- we don't have to stay in a place of, oh, I've been victimized by someone else because that actually gives them power over us. It's exactly. taking back the power of the experience and saying, I'm going to turn this into gold. Exactly. You know? I mean, Tony and I talk about that, The exec, our executive director here at SPE, we talk about that a lot about, um, you know, because she's experienced several rapes and, and she's very open about that. Yeah. And, and, and me as well um, in, in the very abusive, psychically manipulative relationship that I moved through and how, for me, the moment of empowerment was when I was able to acknowledge my part in it. Yep. And that's yep. like, that's a really hard pill to swallow when yes. you're still in that very raw stage of, of this is real and it hurts and it's hard. Yeah. Well, and I think it's common for, you know, it's common for women to not have just gone through one sexual assault, but right. to have gone through multiple assaults. You know, I know someone who went through 30, you know, yeah. when she was, you know, starting from very, very young. And she's gotten to the other side of that, 
mm-hmm. where she understands that that was some that was something that her soul called in. But there might be some people listening that would just be like, "This is so fucked up," you know. <laughs> and I get that, you know, I get that. And so we all have to, you know, we all get to have our our lens and our place in, you know, how we need to frame that. Um, but I think when, when something's happening over and over, there's something energetically in us absolutely that isn't healed, that's making room for that to happen, right? And that's not a, a blaming, it's, it's not a placing blame. It's, it's a like, wow, there's really something that needs to be healed. Well, um, and for me, it's this empowering. wouldn't happen over and over. I mean, that's like anything in life, right? When things happen repeatedly or you meet the same person repeatedly it's like okay what do i need to understand here well and and the the empowerment comes from realizing that you actually have choice and agency over that that yeah. you, it does not have to keep happening to you if yeah. there's a pattern that's repeating you're somehow playing a part in that which means you can change it exactly yeah yeah. So, I mean, it's tough, you know, and I mean, I've heard some really, really tough stories over yeah. the years, you know, yeah. some pretty, pretty horrible things that have happened to people and right. um, everyone gets to have their healing process, you know, however long that takes, um, you know, and, you know, I think when people get to that place of advocacy, right, it, it's, it's just, it's a very different perspective on it and you get to really use it for good. You know, I mean, I have to believe that if horrible things like that are happening to people, that there is some good that gets to come out of it. Otherwise, like, why the hell are we here? Because yeah. it's too much. It's just too much. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, can I mention a few other archetypes? Yes. So, um, I'll mention a few and you can tell me if there's one you want to talk about. So, the goddess. So, people are often just really fascinated with the goddess. Um, and, and what I also love is that there's newer archetypes, right? So as I said earlier, like some of these are very old, but many of them are not. So a newer archetype that I, I love, but you know, she gets mixed reviews from people, um, (laughs) is the cougar. I love the cougar. Um, I love that we have this archetype that is celebrating, you know, sexualization in an older woman, you know, who again is like the mother, often sexuality is invisibilized in someone who's like over 50, you know, or whatever. And I love that the cougar gets to be this like older, confident, sexy woman that goes for what she wants without apology and initiates and she really owns her sexuality and her age, both, right? Um, and she really has come into her pleasure, you know, and of course the shadow side of that is there's a, there's a predatory nature to the cougar, right? Where she can misuse her power. She could take advantage of others. Um, and she could be reckless, you know, but what's fascinating about, about that, I mean, you say that it's a newer archetype and yet there are also stories throughout time of Mm -hmm. older women who the young men would come to, to, become sexually initiated because True. she held all of yeah. the wisdom and experience and had mastered a certain level of her sexuality that she was able to then teach him all yeah. of these things that yeah. a woman would not be able to. 
Yeah, I think specifically the cougar is like a woman that's also going for younger men. Sure. Um, and so, you know, immediately, of course, the graduate comes to, to right. mind. I mean, that's right. like the classic story about the cougar, but we didn't call her that then, you know? So, yeah. And then I think another name that, that's similar and that I think is adjacent to the cougar and it's similar enough that I would put it in the same category as the MILF, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the mother I'd love to fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think... And and again, sometimes that offends people and I'm not a mother. So, you know, what do I know? But I'm like, yeah, like, let's make mama sexy again. Like, I yeah. think it's great to let mamas be sexy and to have us be celebrating that, you know, but I know some mothers that are like, I find that offensive, you know, and, and that's okay. You know, um, we don't all have to have to love it. You know, that, that was made big by hip hop songs. <laughs> so, you know, um, and that one Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I love that, that, you know, for me at the, at the end of the day, what I love about those archetypes is that we're celebrating the sexuality of women that we don't always celebrate it for. Yeah. Um, and one that we've added actually um, in the last couple of years is the empowered submissive. Um, because we realized a lot of the archetypes we were doing were more dominant like women with more dominant sexual energy. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, what about the submissive energy? And I think a lot of times people think of a submissive as not being empowered. And so we specifically wanted to talk about the empowered submissive. Like, what does that mean to trust someone enough to be willing to be vulnerable with another one, to allow them to care for her and to give her power, to exchange her power for them, with, with them, right, sexually? And to then be able to fully receive and be present in that consciously chosen submissive role. How do you see her as different from the damsel? Oh, very different. I think they're very different. You know, I think that the empowered submissive, you know, sexually is she's generating a fantasy and potential healing through power exchange in sex. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, of course, the shadow side of the empowered submissive is that she can give up her power and cease to think that she has any. Mm. And so that's problematic when a submissive goes to that place, right? So then others can take unfair advantage of her. Um, She can also be manipulative and she can be codependent, right? And so there is that crossover with damsel energy um, where she doesn't have um, she may feel she has no sexual agency and that her sexual choices are chosen for her and not by her. So I think that powerlessness is, um, that is the shadow of the submissive, right? Um, but when we're talking about a truly empowered submissive, she understands her power and she's consciously choosing to give it up temporarily in a sexual context in service of the fantasy, you know, in service of the, the dominant person she's with mm-hmm. or people. Or moment. Or moment, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's a, there's a tremendous trust and vulnerability in, in the empowered submissive. And I think that that's a part of sexuality a lot of women crave too. Yes. Um, to know, like, what is that, what would that really be like? And I think because we have so often been victimized sexually or we have been taken advantage of sexually um, or violated in many ways, it's a very hard place for a lot of people to go, yeah. to really authentically go. Yeah. 
where they're not still guarded or like hanging on or um, in a power conflict in, instead of a power exchange. And so I think that there's, there's just something so beautiful about that kind of surrender. And Absolutely. I think that, that many of us want to be able to surrender that much and not have to be holding the reins, you know? And sometimes just to take it super explicit, like in my experience, some of the best orgasms come out of that space mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there is a complete surrender. Yeah. Because you're receiving so fully. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. such an openness. Right. And, and there's a, in, in a complete letting go of needing to control, letting go of, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, we don't need to go talking about how to have orgasms because that's, a, that's another topic. That's another topic. <laughs> have another day, but yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, that surrender allows us to really, really receive, you know, and in, in the work I do, I mean, so many people struggle with receiving. It's just so hard. It's so hard for us to just really receive. And I think, again, that's the beauty of the damsel, right? Going back to the damsel, she really knows how to receive, right. you know? And so we can all learn that from her um, without perhaps going over to the like, oh, I just can't take care of myself <laughs> you know, aspect. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I wrote a lot about the damsel and um, I actually wrote about nine different versions of the damsel. So mm-hmm. there's everything from like the sad damsel to the angry damsel to the feminist damsel <laughs> to the ditzy damsel. Like, you know, we, we started to really like slice it down and like look at like what are the different manifestations of her, you know, and I think we can do that with a lot of these. Um, we can really see many ways they manifest. And again, they manifest differently. There's these layers, you know, or these overlays that happen with um, race, with culture, with gender, um, you know, and how, how these express. Yeah. And let's, we have a couple minutes. I actually wouldn't mind going back to the goddess because I feel like we just mm-hmm. mentioned her and didn't really say much. I else. mean, it's just the goddess, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I'm seeing a lot of um, especially on social media, is this like commodification of the goddess? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'd be really curious to to just hear you talk about her a little bit and your understanding of working with her archetypally. Yeah, um, she always closes the show. You know, when we do when we do all of the archetypes, because uh, you know she's the goddess. Um, <laughs> Two years ago, we had someone playing the goddess, and so she's closing out the show. She's got her, like, arms in the air, and she's, like, preaching the gospel of the goddess, and literally the sky opened up, and it just started lightning and thundering. (laughs) We were outside. Um, It was such this, like, perfect moment, right? And I think that is the thing with the goddess, is that she's just so deeply connected to sexual pleasure, to sensuality, to sexual wisdom and life force. Mm. Um, You know, so she really is that feminine divine that is central to sexuality where sex becomes worship and there's an authenticity to her. So that's really the positive quality is that authenticity of the goddess. There's an authentic empowerment. There's an ability to hold and to honor all aspects of sexuality. 
with the goddess. Like she's not apologetic about anything. She's just like, yeah, I'm all that and more, <laughs> you know? So that's the realness, you know? And then that shadow side of her is self-indulgence, right? There's an extreme self-indulgence that can come in. There's an exploitation of the female form and of womanly power. And I think that is a lot of what we see mm-hmm. in the way she gets commodified. Um, she gets exploited and it's not authentic. Yeah. Um, and that view of sexuality really doesn't reflect the realities of the mundane world. You know, it's kind of another piece of it where it's like, okay, but like in our real world, here's how this really would look. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, I think it's important to be critical of, you know, of how people are doing that. Um, and, you know, there are very, very real, um, you know, systems and, and um, what's the word I want? Not systems as much, but um, you know, there's just, there's very real communities where people do really revere the goddess and all her cultures. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, really, I mean, every culture around the world has some version of goddess, you know, we all have one, Um, you know, the U S being a very Christian based culture even, you know, has that in in, Mary. And Mary, so yeah. she's she's our version of that. If you grew up Christian, so every culture has that, and some cultures just really revere her in such a powerful way. Um, and so, you know, I think I think it is, you know, if we can revere her and not try to um, sanitize her, then there really is a deep connection to sexual pleasure and sensuality. Yeah, I immediately think of Kali when you when you say that the sanitization Mm -hmm. because you know Kali is this the Hindu goddess who she often appears wearing a ring of skulls and her you know tongue sticking Mm -hmm. out and she's like standing over the body of her lover whose head she just cut off. Mm -hmm. She's all about creation (laughs) and destruction, right? And and so I, I think there's. Yeah, I think that that sanitization, even I, you know, like I, I've been running this show for almost two years now, and, and there have been some episodes that, you know, the titles have divine feminine in them. And, and we have a whole team of, of people in the in the production and promotion side of things, and, and they choose images. And I haven't really been a big part of that process. I just kind of like gave that over to the team. And there have been some images that have been used for, for some of those episodes where I look at them, I just kind of cringe a little bit because I because it feels sort of in that like more sanitized, like Instagram-ish, you know, like feel. And, and I know in, in my heart and soul that this, this is not something that I'm wanting to advocate or, or perpetuate because I have experienced the raw power of goddess and it can be scary. I mean, that's like, it's not always like beautiful and pristine and like, oh, you know, on a cloud, like she's intense. Um, and I think it's important to, to really honor that aspect. I think that's part of why she is so revered in so many of these cultures, because like, she can take you out, you know, it's like, those ladies are like, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. You know, it's like, like that level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I've traveled to India and been to Kali, temples <laughs> you know and we walked into one 
Kali temple and they had just, they had just had an animal sacrifice, you know, for Kali and there was blood all over the, the ground and, you know, and, um, you know, and I think to a lot of people in the West that could feel like horrible. <laughs> um, but you know, that's how seriously they took Kali. Like, it's like, you do not mess with Kali, Thank you know, and you, you honor her and you give her what she requires. Yeah. So, Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I just really want to um thank you for coming back on the show to have this conversation. I feel like there's so much juicy, yummy goodness that came out of it and thank um, you. And I just really honor you and and the work that you're doing and and the the way that you carry yourself and the integrity with which you're walking is just so palpable and so I just really want to appreciate you for that. Thank you so much. I love being here. And um, yeah, I mean, I have lots of, of resources. I've been doing this a long time. If, if people feel, um, feel interested in this or feel interested in experiencing the, the, the ritual we talked about, um, I do the Firewoman Retreat annually um, uh, in the spring in May. It's going to be on the East Coast this year. So, um, so I welcome you to, um, to come and check it out. So um, early, early bird tickets are available to hold your spot right now. And um, you can find out all the information on that at amyjogata.com. Um, pop it. us an email. If it's easy for you, if you're on the East Coast, do it because it's so worth it. Even if you're not and you have the means to fly out there and do it, I think what you're doing in those retreats is so awesome. So, and for our listeners, thank you so much for for your continued support. Um, I really love and appreciate you so much. And we wouldn't be where we are without you. So, So, thank you. And of course, you can always um, find out more about how to play with us over at superpowerexperts.com. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. <laughs>